All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here. I'm really excited about this one, uh, this episode. I am here with Yuri Fato, who is an associate professor at the department of, uh, in the Department of uh, Exercise Science and Sports Management at Kennesaw State. And Yuri came really, really highly recommended from uh, Professor or Dr. Nathan Jenkins and Mike G, who have both been on the podcast before. And they both have been like beating me to death. They were like, you got to talk to Yuri. Like, Yuri's the guy. So, um, uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about today in the episode is going to be some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, before we get into that, man, I know you're a busy guy. I know uh, anybody who works in academia has a lot of stuff to do. So thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on. No, thanks for, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk science and, you know, to talk with, with the community. And, um, you know, if, if, again, every, every little bit helps uh, for all of us, right? The, we as academics are always are fall, you know, kind of behind the, the desk, if you will. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, the, at the, at the affiliates, and that's where the, the magic happens, right? So um, I'm fortunate enough that um, I could do, I do what I do and, and the affiliates help me and I hopefully help the affiliates in any way. So I'm, I'm glad that I could have this opportunity. So I thank you guys for, for inviting me in and, and having me as well. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's really, I think it's really cool for me specifically, just because I've been in the community so long um, to be able to get to chat and get to know folks like you, because realistically, like you, like guys like you and guys like Nate are kind of like unicorns in the CrossFit community, because <laughs> sure. in, in the sense that like CrossFit has largely been kind of like treated like this stepchild within the fitness industry where they're like, Oh, it's not legit. There's no science behind it. It's just, it's just nonsense. Um, but to really see that there are academics who are not only kind of like doing work on CrossFit and doing, uh, and doing studies and doing research on it, but are, but are actually in the community itself, I think is really, really cool to see. And we're starting to see more of that. We're starting to see more physicians get into it. And I think, uh, our, our, goal with the podcast and these conversations is to highlight folks like that, bring your knowledge to the community as broadly as we can. So, um, yeah, I, th I think this is really, really cool stuff, but what is, um, what's your background? Like we're like growing up sports wise or, or training wise, like what, like, how did you, how did you kind of like get to this point, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, my, my background is kind of a little bit of, uh, of, um, of a lot of things. Uh, you know, I played uh, soccer all along when I was growing up. So that was always into sports, um, from, you know, and I was always interested in being active and, and, you know, exercising and all that sort of thing. Um, and then when I decided that, you know, after high school, um, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to go into sports, um, and it's just a matter of, you know, trying to get there. Right. So, um, the closest thing to me at the time was athletic training, um, just because I knew that, you know, having, you know, being an athlete, you always get hurt, right? So you always have an athletic trainer or a PT or doctor, if you're lucky enough, um, that could kind of help you along the way. Um, so really, it was just starting with athletic training and then um, kind of went from there. Um, the athletic training program that I was at required us to do, I think it was like, you know, somewhere around a thousand hours uh, the first semester that you were in. Uh, on campus to kind of just get you in the you know athletic training lab and kind of just that's get a you lot of hours yeah it was it was intense it was intense and I was working full-time um, I kind of put myself through school so I said you know what I can't do that right now I, I don't have the time um, and it might have been 800 you know but I mean whatever. either way it's not like yeah. that's not some change you know yeah it wasn't an, you know it wasn't 300 hours internship <laughs> that you kind of just get done within you know a couple of months you know what I mean I, it literally was the whole term. So I went back to my advisor and I said, listen, I can't do 1200 hours or whatever the hell it was. Um, 
And they said, okay, well, you have two options. You could either change your major and go to exercise science or change your major altogether. And I was like, well, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to go to finance or, I mean, nothing wrong with finance, but my interest was in exercise, you know? Um, so I ended up going exercise science. I went the exercise science route. Um, in that program, you didn't have to do, you had to do an internship at the end. Uh, but, you know, after three and a half years or whatever, you could just work it out. You know, it's easier to do. Um, so anyway, so I ended up doing that. So I got a bachelor's in exercise science. Again, really interested in the exercise piece, the exercise physiology part. Um, within that program, I got interested in clinical physiology. So really working with cardiac and uh, pulmonary disease, diabetes. Um, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't, it was a big deal, but it wasn't such a big deal as it is today, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so it was interesting to me that I could kind of get into that population. And, and as an athlete, I knew... Um, athletes really had all the help that could really get, you know what I mean? Like as an athlete, you go to the athletic training room, you got a trainers, you got PTs, you got doctors and all that stuff. But you know, what about, um, I always think of this, uh, you know, what about the grandma, you know, that mm -hmm. broke her hip or broke her shoulder or whatever, you know, how do you get those people to rehab enough fast enough so that they could have, um, good quality of life, you know, um, what, 2001, 2000, 2001, CrossFit really wasn't a thing yet, right? So we were kind of trying to figure things out. Uh, it was totally different back then. Um, so all we had was medical fitness programs at a hospital setting that, um, you know, you kind of just went in and did the rehab and then kind of went on your own. And that was interesting to me, you know, that you could have that, that significant impact on, on someone's, you know, family member or significant other um, at that stage, specifically people who, who, you know, had bypass surgery or heart attack or something like that, which most of the time are, are terrified, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of led me to somewhat of a, a clinical path, really working with those people. I worked, you know, from, from your typical quote unquote, obese, overly um, overweight individual to, you know, athletes with heart transplants and pulmonary uh, and lung transplants. So you kind of just the gamut of that. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, um, as I was a, an administrator of a medical fitness center, um, I decided I wanted to kind of get a different approach, different view of what I was doing and decided to go in and get a master's in public health. Okay. That, must, so, be, that must be frightening to know the inside <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so save that, that for a just, second podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we could definitely have a lengthy discussion about that. Uh, but that kind of broadened that horizon, right? Because, you know, for me, it was all exercise, exercise, exercise. And all of a sudden you're like, so you know, on the clinical side, what, so what is kind of your role but before you kind of transition to the more the administrative side of the house, what, clinically, what are you doing with some of these patients? Is it like low level, like PT? Um, it kind of sort of was funny enough. Um, I, I worked with a nurse who was extremely conservative. Um, and you know, we both had, you know, case loads and we sort of managed our, our different athletes or patients in the case. Uh, and we have a pretty heavy load, right, from, from a patient standpoint. They used to come into rehab and, you know, we used to, it was cardiac rehabilitation for the most part. So, so yeah, we, we used to train them just like if they were coming to physical therapy. Okay. Uh, put them on treadmills, bikes, weight training, that sort of thing. Stress tests and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. We do the stress testing and all that. Um, and funny enough, most of my patients, the, the people that I kind of just had my case load, um, I always train them at a higher intensity than she did. Um, okay. I had absolutely no data to support this, but I know <laughs> that I had better outcomes than in some ways, some of her patients, because I was willing to, to, you know, 
to do, you know, back then do high intensity training or high intensity interval training, you know? Um, so even back then I was doing my own methodology, if you will, yep. but, um, I was an academic then I was, I was, I was, you know, my, my purpose was outcome measures and, and the patients, not data collection. Got it. I wish I would have collected all that data back then. Cause then, yeah. you know, we would have been talking about hopefully high intensity a little bit earlier, but, um, so yeah, so you know, it was just kind of uh, trying to get these people to to go back to their their regular activities after okay. a cardiac event or or pulmonary event. You know, the, the pulmonary patients are a little bit harder because they don't really get better. Uh, we just manage symptoms a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 kind of just uh, went from there, and then you know, trying to do a diabetes education, educating people yeah. on what's going on, and what's well, definitely you know, come a long way. Like yes. for instance, my like my mom had. Um, a hip replacement yesterday and my mom's not old. She's like 64, but um, you know, the protocol at that point now is like they walk within hours. Yeah. yeah within hours. Like I, I didn't even know it was that soon. I thought it was like a couple of days. They're like, no, no, no. Like when she gets to the recovery room, like we're going to get her standing and walking. Um, yep. and, and like, cause I asked my dad, I was like, when did she start PT? And he's like three hours. So I was like, she's in surgery now, isn't she? He's like, yeah, he's like, they're yep. getting her in there like immediately. Yep. I was like, okay, well, that's good. I'm, I'm cool with that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty similar with, uh, you know, it was the same with cardiac patients, you know, when, when you had bypass surgery, um, you know, many years ago, you would be in the hospital for a week. Um, and you know, nowadays you have bypass surgery and within probably, if you don't have any complications, you may be going home the next day. Yeah which is extremely frightening for a lot of people because all of a sudden you're going home and you have this crack in your chest. Every time you move, you can feel that chest move, you know, and, and, you know, and it takes time, right? It's just, I mean, basically break a bone. So it takes six to eight weeks for that bone to heal. And you're six to eight weeks, you're, you're frightening to do anything. That is, uh, uh, I have had the, the opportunity to scrub in for uh, quadruple bypass. So my oh, uncle, man. my uncle um, was a premier cardiac thoracic surgeon and uh, our cardiothoracic surgeon. And I went in and <laughs> I don't think people, <laughs> I don't think people realize the invasiveness of that surgery. I mean, it is oh. full, just your whole chest cavity is open. Like, yeah. I mean, it is like crazy to see. But it was the same thing. He was like, yeah, he's like, we're going to have this guy up and moving in the next uh, 36 hours. And I was like, yeah, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, and, and I mean, and extreme credit to them, you know, they're, they have a job to do and they get in there and, and they, they have one thing in mind. So it's not like they're gentle, you know what I mean? No. Like they no. call it and move and, and pry and it's like, wow. Yeah. It's uh, uh it's, it's alarmingly aggressive. If you've, if, if you've never seen it before, you're like, oh, like a doctor's on tables with like what look like tools, like hammers. And oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's crazy. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So how long, how long are you in that clinical setting before you transition to uh, kind of the administrative side? Um, so I was in there. I was doing that for about four years. Okay. Uh, and then I did a little bit. I mean, administration was about two and a half, three years that um, I was coordinator in that environment. Um, I had a general manager kind of just sort of leading that, um, that work. Um, and then I was managing a fitness center as well. So it was kind of all encompassed being in okay. a hospital. Um, so it was a little bit of everything. Um, and then somewhere along the way, um, I ended up doing the master's in public health, which again, gave me that broad, uh, understanding of what healthcare was, which was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and, and after 
I think it was about seven to eight years. Um, I just got tired of it. I was just, I needed to do something different. And I decided I was, I was going to go get a terminal degree. Um, and that kind of transition period was like finishing my MPH and going into a doctoral program. And, um, you know, uh, that was in 2007. So okay. um, did that in three years, got out and kind of just, I was doing to something totally, completely different um, in my um, doctoral work. I mean, my, my interest was more about merging that public health component that you know sort of overall health and that exercise and try to put it in the middle so that people would understand the benefits of of exercise and and physical activity as a whole um as as a measurement to improve health outcomes um, you know today we talk about it all the time but um you know over time you know we we didn't have um physical activity guidelines we didn't we just had some things mm -hmm. but um you know 20 years later we have all this stuff that we know about right so it's it's beautiful science and so it's always evolving and always learning something new. Um, so then, um, you know, I was doing physical activity monitoring for, I did that for about five years. That's all of my graduate work. Um, my terminal degrees in physical activity monitoring, accelerometers, pedometers, that sort of thing. And then after I did that for about four years, I just got bored. Um, and the reality is I met Mike, Mike G and, yeah. and, and I tell him all the time, I mean, he changed the path of, of my professional career. That's um, cool. And so, so it's really interesting to me and, and exciting the fact that, you know, we as, as academics or faculty could change a student's life, but so can a student change our perspective and, and our area of expertise. And was um, he one again, of your students? He was. Now I'm putting the connect. He never said that, but okay, got it. All right. Yeah. yeah he was, I, I was, I worked with him pretty frequently when he was going through his graduate program. And uh, I mean, He's, he's a, he's a fit dude, but I don't think people give him credit for how intelligent he is. Like he's, oh, he's super smart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He definitely gets it. He definitely gets yeah. it. And, and you know, he's pursuing the same thing, right? He's been graduate school. He's got two master's degrees and yeah. uh, from leading institutions. So, I mean, he's definitely a smart dude. And, and, you know, and, and that was the beginning of my sort of uh, introduction to CrossFit. Um, you know, this is back in 2012. Okay. Um, so it was kind of getting popular, but you know, um, it was in the in the heels of, you know, kind of just starting me moved to Kennesaw. He was there. He was finishing his uh, undergrad. Um, I got in. I had an interest in what this CrossFit thing was because um, I heard of it before. And, you know, I had a couple of friends that were doing it, but I really didn't know. And as a skeptic, as a natural skeptic, I, I was just like, what in the hell is all this nonsense? Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm honest about it. I mean, I didn't I didn't know, you know, and, and I've never seen it. And I was in the fitness industry, you know, but I was mm -hmm. in a different sort of I had a different mindset. Um, and yeah, I moved to Kennesaw and he was there and we connected right away. And he, you know, he showed me around. He told me what it was and he really gave me a, a good understanding of the whole thing. And then I was like, OK, this is cool. This could be interesting. Well, you're lucky that he was your was with you in that introduction oh absolutely 100 yeah. percent. and I, I feel the same way so I, I kind of came up under pat sherwood and joe alexander who are both okay. uber intelligent as well yeah. but i always like I, I will never um discount like that was just pure luck like sometimes yeah. you just get lucky to just fall under like the right people and i was very fortunate to uh to walk into that gym so um i do have a question though what, what's your Having worked in public health, because Coach Glassman, he has, he's, he has said in the past, he has no hope for public health, like right. zero. He like doesn't even – but what's your thoughts having worked in the system 
for some duration? Like, do you, do you feel that that's something that can be changed? And this is, a, this is kind of a rabbit hole. We don't have to go all the way down, but um, just, I'd be curious your general thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think it's going to require a lot. I think public health is a, it's a conglomerate of a lot of things, right? Um, it's not just physical activity is, is there's a lot of things, right. And, and within public health, Mm -hmm. uh, within public health is, uh, itself, there's so many other things, right? When you talk about public health, you're talking about vaccines, you talk about exercise, you talk about in some, some late level, some shape or form, nutrition, you talk about access to healthcare, you talk about there's so many things that are sort of encompassing this public health umbrella, right? Um, and the reality is that it's almost impossible for us to, to address everything um, mm -hmm. in, in any particular point in time um, you know, just because, you know, we're working with people, we're not working with rats, right? So, yeah. um, you work with an animal, you, whether it's a rat or mice or whatever, um, pretty much you can make them do whatever you want. Uh, yeah. you know, humans are different, right? We, yeah. if we're doing a study, you can't, whether you're studying it or, or you're trying to get into a, in a, a behavioral component, you, you may never get them to do what you want them to do. Yeah. Right. So, um, I don't know that we will ever get to a, a point where we have the answers to every public health issue in the in the in the US or the world. Um, I think we've made tremendous strides um, in that area over time. I mean, you know, climate change is a it's a public health issue, right? And, yeah. and, and how many hours you can spend talking about does it exist? Does it not exist? Does it this? Is it not, you know what I mean? And that's not this rabbit hole whatsoever, right? But yeah. um, but the idea is that that's still part of, of that. So Got it. how does that impact uh, what we do? Um, and, you know, in some way it does. I think that from a, if we just keep it narrow to work, sort of our focus, right, from a fitness, physical activity standpoint, um, in some ways we're making strides and some we're not. Yeah. You know, um, you know we, we have more access to, um, you know, park spaces, we're much more aware about the, the implications of, of sedentarism, um, you know, so there, there are those messages that are getting across. But at the same time, we have more people that are not following those messages and continue to eat whatever they want. And then that's leading those numbers, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it, it is a strange, it's a strange it's a strange scenario that I, I feel like there's never been more emphasis on health than currently today, but the trend does not follow that awareness. The trend actually goes the other direction. Right. And uh, it's, it's a little, I, I have this, we have always have this theory that, that nothing will truly happen within the system until there's almost a completely like secular society where there's nobody in the middle. There's just chronically right. ill and really fit. And there will literally be nobody that exists in between. You're either, sure. you're either healthy or dying. Um, yeah. And I don't know how far we are away from that, but I feel like it's probably not that far to be honest with you. And you're I think you're absolutely right. I think there's definitely that, you know, and, and the reality is that in some ways, um, you know, we want to be everything to everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we really can, you know, yeah. we've done some fantastic job from a medical standpoint, um, you know, for, to, to care of the sick. Mm -hmm. And we have, we've done fantastic, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you had a heart attack and life expectancy after that was relatively slow, you know, small. Today you have a heart attack and you, you can live another 50 years. You, know, oh, yeah. you, you, know, you, you may die of something completely different. 
I've got a 65-year-old in here. She's got a pacemaker in here, but she's in here every day getting after it. She lifts weight. She snatches. She clean and jerks. She's like, I, I high-fived her today. I was like, you're my hero, Susan. Like, you're, you're who I want to be when I grow up. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was the unfortunate event. Um, I can't remember the, the athlete's name who was like 18 or 20, or 20 years old, and he was one of the, the CrossFit athletes. And oh, yeah, that's right. Of, yeah. Um, uh, valve was, he had a heart issue, but yeah. Yeah, it was a valve replacement. Which that's right, yep. In, in you know, 98%, and, you know, it's a, a complete unfortunate, and I'm not educated enough to talk about the case, but, you know, for the most part, a valve replacement is relatively simple and, mm -hmm. and you know, the outcomes are extremely uh, positive. So, you know, you have all that whole dichotomy, right, of, of all that. So, but again, I think to, to answer the question, can we, are we ever going to get to a point where we have it all under control? I think it's almost impossible to say and, yeah. and really to, to even consider that we will. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's, a, it's, uh, I never get what I consider an optimistic answer and just kind of like, just frames your outlook. It's just like, and I don't, I don't blame anybody for that. It's like, I just like, sometimes I'm just like, somebody say something positive, you know? Um, but it is what it is. Uh, but that's what I think kind of CrossFit and coach Glassman's whole, whole reason for existing at this point is, um, right, sure. is, is to kind of fight that fight. Um, so, uh, as far as CrossFit, how, so how long have you been doing CrossFit? So like 2012 ish is when you kind of started. Yeah, I would say about 2012, um, kind of just started, you know, well, I started digging into it about 2011, 2010, and then really get into it once I met, uh, Mike in 2012. Um, and really was just, I couldn't read enough. I mean, it was just everything, you know, what was fitness? I mean, just the, the general basic stuff that, that we had at the time, uh, which was fantastic. And then you know, it kind of just created this dichotomy in my head is like, well, this is what I know from the textbooks, right? This is what I've always studied. Yeah. And I get it. I understand it. And then this is what CrossFit is saying, which I also get and I could put together, but the application of it is totally different. You know, I still remember my first workout and, you know, went through the, I went to the, I had this great facility and this great guy who's um, here in Kennesaw um, and we went to the gym and it was a great facility, walked in and, you know, my first workout was Randy. Oh, I forget. I would never forget. Oh, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't forget that either. 75 yeah. snatches. Oh, ugh. right. So, and you know, I was pretty fit at the time, you know, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, I could do that. I mean, I had done snatches before. I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's everybody's I mean, reaction you know, to the workout. Like they're just, how bad I, be? <laughs> right. Exactly. I didn't know anything. That's what, how bad it was. <laughs> Um, I started with 75 pounds and I think I did about, I don't know, probably about 15. And I said, holy shit, what am I doing here? Um, and I remember vividly cause there was two girls. I was in the only, I was in the class with two girls. Um, one was, I don't know, maybe a buck 10 and like five foot. And the other one was about buck 20 and five, four. And again, nothing against women, nothing against thin women, fit women at all. But you know, I worked in and I was like, yeah, I'm a pretty strong guy. I work out. I got my ass kicked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up, I, I think I ended up my, you know, my last 30 reps, I was struggling with the bar because I had to pull the weight off because I, I, I just couldn't, you know, and, and that moment I went home and I'm sure just like everybody else is their first workout. I had a decision to make. I was either all in or all out. Yeah, that, that's pretty much how it works. You know what I mean? Do you remember how long it took? Oh, gosh. I think it took me probably like 20 minutes. 
That sounds like my my first workout was JT, which is twenty one fifty nine handstand push up ring and uh, push up. It took me thirty seven minutes. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm surprised you were able to do the the handstand push ups all together. I mean, I mean, I in my mind, I have I can imagine what I thought it looked like, but I probably looked nothing like what I I, pro I was probably like in a C shape bent backwards, <laughs> you know, in that horrific like overextended overextended. Position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was it was you know and. And then from that day forward, it was just kind of one of those things where I just couldn't read enough. You know, there was there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough out there. Have you taken the level one course? I have. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's always. Uh, uh, I was. What did you think of the course? I thought it was fantastic. Cool. Um, you know, I had multiple. I have multiple certifications from other organizations, and um, you know, I've been in academia for you know number of years, and you know, I teach some of this stuff in the mm -hmm. in in our in our courses and. Um, I, I honestly thought that it was a, an extremely well done course. Um, I, I had really good instructors. The, the level one instructors are, are top notch, um, you know, and, and the content itself um, was very well, uh, very well put together yeah. as well as very practical, right? So yeah. I'm looking at it from both sides, right? So I'm looking at it as, a, as an academic, mm -hmm. um, you know, is this information accurate? Absolutely was. But not only that, is it, how is it applicable to the general population, right? Yeah. So you could break it down however you want. You could scale it however you want. I usually say that it's definitely not for everyone, but mm -hmm. everybody can do it. That's, um, uh, that's, a very, that's a very succinct way to, to describe it. It's the best way that I could put it, right? I mean, and, and, and the L1 was, was very enlightening from an application standpoint. You know, if, if you have nothing else, if you have absolutely no background, it gets you to the next level. Mm-hmm. Does that does that that certification make you a good coach? Uh, we could debate that, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go on a limb and say no. It, it's like right. it's the first step of many if you want to be considered a good coach. Yeah, exactly. But you know, but it gives you it gives you if you don't have anything else, it gives you a background and yep. and, and a very solid base. Mm -hmm. But you know, I agree 100. percent If you really want to be a good coach, you got to develop that. Yeah. You got to continue to not only just working with people and how you work with people, but yeah. you got to continue to learn those concepts. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we spend months and you know, I spend years studying glycolysis and metabolic pathways. Do you need to know every single enzyme that comes along that way? No, absolutely not. But you need to be able to understand how things work. Yeah. Um, and the L1 does a good job introducing that. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, and again, I'm biased, obviously, I work for the company and, and get to the, the good, the privilege to deliver that information. But I do think it is one of the better introductions that I've ever had to fitness in general, which is like, sure. this is the methodology, here's how you apply it. And not only here's how you apply it, but I think people don't give that level one credit for, here's how you can misapply it. And don't, right. and don't be confused about that. You can do, you can take this thing off the rails just like you can with anything. Um, and right. I think people kind of like skip right over that and they're like, no, 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 that's an important part of this whole, this whole thing is like, don't misapply the program. Otherwise it's not the same program anymore. For sure. Um, I think, and I think you, you know, you, you hit it in the, in the head when you said that, you know, you got to dive deeper to, to be a good coach. The, and again, this is just uh, you know a, a bias, if you will. And and there's a, again, it's I've had many conversations, and to me, is it's a natural selection process, right? Good coaches, good boxes are going to remain, and the other ones will make some money and then kind of walk out of the the community just because it's it's the law of numbers, mm -hmm. right? That you you can't be um, 
you can be successful in a saturated market, right? So what's going to make you, what's going to make you good? What's going to make your programming, your, your, your box, your community, what's that? You got to put time into that. Mm -hmm. um, um, so the idea of just having that base, I think it provides a lot of opportunities. I wish that there was a little bit, and, and this is no, you know, no criticism whatsoever. I just wish that there was a little bit more control and, you know, you get an L1, you could open an affiliate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just a little bit like a next, yeah. something different. You know I, what I mean? think, um, no, I, and I think that the, that's not a, that's not an uncommon, uh, criticism. Like it, that's, that's, you're not at all the first person to say that. And I, I mean, if, if anybody who spent one second around coach Glassman knows that he is a true blue libertarian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, for me, I wouldn't even necessarily disagree with that criticism. Like I, 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 I kind of agree with it. I think the, the problem becomes like the practical what? application of the next step, which is like, okay, right. if we are, if we are going to have like some sort of QA on this whole thing, right. who, who's in and who's out because right, we, right, right, we right. have to go backwards. And, and my, and my right. contention is there's a lot of people waving this QA flag that ain't making the cut, you know, right. like, listen, right, right, right. your doors because you are not good. Um, so I think it's, it's one of those weird things that it's kind of like the CrossFit games in my mind where it's kind of like this necessary evil, like you, it kind of has to exist in order for the proliferation of CrossFit to make its way to different. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, and I, in, in my mind, uh, and this is probably like a good segue to the next piece, but like in my mind, the, the pros far outweigh the cons of it. And it's just oh, one sure. of those things that like, that is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't even disagree with you. I just don't know what the answer is in order to make that happen. Like it would just be, right. it'd be, I don't know. I have no idea, but I think some of the things that CrossFit's putting in place will allow the market to resolve that, which is getting uh, the courses in line. So like the level one, the level two, level three, the mm -hmm. level four, um, which we, I discussed that with, um, with Amy Hollingsworth um, in a previous podcast. But um on that note, I kind of want to dive in here a little bit uh, into so, and I'm looking at this timeline. I'm like, so you, so to my, correct me if I'm wrong. You've done the longest study on injury rates within CrossFit, correct? Yes. Okay. So the uh, I'm look. I've actually got it pulled up here. It's in the Orthopedic Journal of Sports Medicine. It's a four year analysis of the incidence of injuries amongst CrossFit trained participants. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this timeline <laughs> and you're like really dove in in 2012. And then basically the next year you start a four year study on injury rates. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, I kind of want to dive into that. I don't want to dive too deep, but I kind of want to, how does that, how do you start to put that together? Like, how do you come to the conclusion? I want to do a study and then what's the first step to start? doing what ends up being a four-year project um you know i had no idea what i was doing at the time <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm gonna be candid man i'm gonna be honest um, I dig it. I dig I, it. I, you know mike g and i talked about a lot of things um you know he was working on his project he wanted to get he wanted to get his thesis done i had just started doing this whole thing um again i i read the literature i mean i read whatever was available that had a crossfit attached to it i read it and there was nothing. All I heard was, it's dangerous, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. And there was no evidence. There was no data. Mm -hmm. The hack, uh, hack study, hack yeah. uh, in 2013 was the first paper that came out in the Strength and Conditioning Journal. And it had like 200 people. Yep. Uh, or like 100 and something, whatever. And then it was the first time where we actually looked at, quantifiably, we're able to say, 
this is dangerous, this isn't dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it ended up being like a 3.1 injuries per 1,000 hours Mm -hmm. um, of, you know, from from the injury rate standpoint. and that that you know because of my background in in uh in public health and i had taken an epidemiology course and i kind of just dove into that literature a little bit i was like man we could definitely do that um the easiest way to do something like that is to create a survey i mean we you could go on reddit and read all the comments about our study and how it's a survey and blah 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 and i get it i mean we were forthcoming in that paper and say look the, one of the major limitations of this is that it's a it's one is cross sectional so it kind of just only covers 3000 people of the millions of people who are currently participating right um, and 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 it's a survey so we we we're going backwards right yeah. we're asking you to remember what you've done over the last 12 months and and to tell me if you've been injured so so we developed this survey and that was, you know, we started this doing this in about 2013 okay. um, and, and we kind of send it out. Um, I have to give a big shout out to every single one of those people that were in my Facebook feed my Twitter account and Instagram. <laughs> Cause man, I, and I mean, I annoy the heck out of all of them, you know, um, because that's what I was, that's, that's what I wanted to do. You know, we needed to get those people and, and we got thousands of responses uh, every year. Um, and, and the idea was to ask the questions that people wanted to know about, you know, how often have you done it? Have you been injured? What kind of injuries have you sustained? Um, you know, so that was 13. And again, I had no idea what I was doing in, in, in retrospect, very little, cause we didn't have anything to go by. Um, so we did that. We, we, we knew that we couldn't include the games. Like we couldn't include the, the game season because yeah. You know, they open, you're going to be doing five repetitive work workouts over five weeks, more susceptible to being injured and all stuff. So, mm-hmm. so really the only thing that we looked at was, okay, we, we need to know from last year to the end of the year. So we ended up collecting data through like, I think at the time it was like February 1, mm-hmm. uh, because after that, the, the open started and all that sort of So, so we knew we kind of have a timeline. I was 13. We, we developed the survey as soon as we started. Mike G and I just went to work, man. We just created this thing and um, we, we, we got it out there. And then 2014 happened. Um, and that's when the whole Dever and Smith study came out and all of that. That was the uh, champ study, right? No, the champ study came out first. And that's kind of when he said that, you know, there were, there was, it was going to be in, there was injuries, right? Yeah. The crossroads was injury. And then the oh, Ohio that's State right. study. The divorce, the divorce study the was. Divorce. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. So that came about with, uh, the champ study came about. We were in the middle of collecting data for that. And we, we had a paper ready to go. But then the Smith paper came out and all that sort of came about. And, and that put me, that put us, not just me, but put us and, and our, what we were doing probably like two years behind because I couldn't publish anything yeah. that said CrossFit, you know? Um, like nobody, like nobody would let you because of that. No, I wouldn't really, like, I would, I would, I submitted, we submitted um, probably four or five manuscripts from really? that injury data. And every time that it had CrossFit on it, we would get best rejections. Did they, did anybody give you any justification as to why? Uh, yeah, they didn't want to be involved with CrossFit. Okay. I mean, it doesn't so, make any sense to me, but it's like, well, you know. it was, 
well, it was the result of, uh, you know, when, when CROSS started asking questions and, you know, sued the NSCA and the JSCR yeah. and all that sort of thing, people freaked out, right? So all yeah. the editors kind of oh, just like got it. backed off and said, if, had CrossFit, if, I, if, we has, if it has anything to do with CrossFit, we don't want to touch it. Well, I feel like the, the simple solution is, is don't publish fraudulent data. <laughs> you know, man, I mean, I, I always, I always, you know, I, and actually I just, I had a conversation with, uh, with, uh, Greg Glassman and, um, um, a couple of the guys from HQ the other day. And, you know, it was like, were you at the most recent DDC? I was. Oh, okay, cool. So, um, and was was Nate there too, Jenkins? He was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. okay. So Amy told me she talked to both. That's right. She told me she talked to both of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so it was which was really cool. It was the first time being there, and I, you know, it was it was, it was really cool experience and and kind of what's sort of the the thought process and that sort of thing that was really neat. Um, but you know, we always talk about bad science, you know, and and the poet, the the emphasis has always been on that science and and fraudulent data and stuff like that. But you know. In my opinion, and, and I guess I'm just biased because I'm on that on that side of the of the coin, yeah. right? But let's talk about the good science. Yeah, you know, because because there's a lot of people doing good science. Mm -hmm. You know, Nate Jenkins is doing good science. Yeah. Uh, Mike yeah. G's done some really good work. Um, Katie Henrik and Kansas State is doing some really good work. Steve Petrozillo up in Illinois is doing some really good work. You know, there's a lot of people that are doing. You know, Derek Crawford in Kansas, Kansas is doing really good work. There's a lot of people who are doing a lot of really good science. Yeah, um, that may or may not benefit the community as a whole, but still is good science in, in the yeah. community. So yeah. let's spend our time doing that versus, you know, continue to talk about yeah. the same fraudulent data or the, the crappy data that comes about. I, I, well, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that kind of talking about that, that whole NSCA thing is going to die down because of some of the rules oh, yeah. that come down. I, I think, sure. I think he, you know, I think he was just a dog, with a with a bone like and it was one of those things and i'm like and i get it and uh and i don't think anybody could blame him for that but i think now that there have been some serious rulings there with nsca right. a little bit of hot water but um i think now the focus is hopefully is going to shift to some of that stuff um and i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your study and and spoiler alert the, the it's found that crossfit is not dangerous contrary to popular internet beliefs um which we all know being in the affiliate you know it's like i don't yeah. have to conduct a study I mean, that's, that is science. So like, if you're going to publish something, you need to have that. Otherwise it's just, you know, anecdotal, sure, but yeah, yeah. my anecdotal science is that having owned an affiliate for 10 years, it's not dangerous. Like I have right. a limited number of injuries, um, within my affiliate people do get injured and sure. that like, that is across the board, regardless of what you're doing. I mean, I played, right. I played division one basketball, people get injured all the time like 50 percent mm -hmm. of the team is probably going to sustain an injury in a, in a given season in division one basketball right. like oh, something sure. whether it's a sprain angel or something like that so um i think some of that conversation just lacks context which is like they're going to get mm -hmm. injured i'm like listen we're training like that is part of training so right i think that's important but i want to let you kind of talk about your study and then kind of some of the stuff that you found and and kind of what came about from that uh, yeah i, I mean i think all your thunder no, absolutely. No, no problem. I think, I mean, you're, you're, you're right on. I think, you know, ultimately, um, you know, sitting on the couch is the most dangerous sport mm -hmm. that you can play. Right. So whether, whether you, to me as a, as a, you know, promoter of physical activity exercise, you know, again, from, from a public health standpoint, to me, I don't really care what you call it. 
you know, call it CrossFit, call it Zumba, call it spinning, call it whatever you want, whatever brand you want to attach to it. That's fine. Um, for the most part, you know, and we we're talking about this. So, you know, CrossFit has seemed to sort of overtaken um, all of those other programs that have been in the market for a long time. You know, the fitness industry is, you know, has a plethora of programming and, and other programs that have been prior to CrossFit and will come after CrossFit. Um, and, and, you know, the numbers show the, the difference between, right? So um, to me, as a, as a physical activity promoter and as an exercise promoter, and what I want is people to be active. I don't really care what you call it, but um, you're absolutely right. People are going to get hurt. If you're doing something, you're going to get injured. You're going to get hurt. The idea is to, you're going to minimize those injuries. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, in my opinion, the affiliates do really, really good is that, you know, you are working out with someone who's watching you, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the level of experience matters, of course, but at least you have somebody there. Yeah. And that's, and that level of experience is that it, that it, that exists regardless of what training modality you're doing right exactly exactly so you know and you know and think about how many people are out there uh you know on the roads running on their own and they have absolutely no idea what they're doing you know what i mean there's nobody watching their form there's nobody watching you know how they're running so if, if there's any kind of muscular imbalances they're going to get injured mm -hmm. right and I there's think, no one to... i think the studies are like 80 percent of runners get injured in a given 12 months period yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And if you look at the injury rates, right, if you look at how many people are actually getting injured per, per, per hour of work, I think you're looking at somewhere around 30 people get injured, um, in every, you know, per 1000 hours of participation and don't quote me in those numbers, but that kind of sort of, they're sort of there, which means that if that's true, and again, I, you know, we're using these numbers relatively lightly, Mm -hmm. And the, the hack study and every other study that's come out that's reported injury rates for, for CrossFit training, we're talking about three, 2.93 injuries per 1,000. So that's the incidence rate, right? So we talk about how many people are getting injured. That, that's 10 times more running injuries compared to CrossFit related injuries. And, yeah. and you don't see CNN doing a special on running and how dangerous it is. You know what I mean? Um, so again, we could, you know, you could yeah. dive so into on that. Note, I, so I, this is where people's kind of eyes can kind of glaze yeah. over and roll back in the, in the back of their head. And it's, and it's not because it's not interesting. It's because for most of us, myself included, it's kind of starts to go overhead. What is the difference? Can you kind of talk about the difference between injury rate and prevalence rate with regard to injuries? Yeah. So when we talk about prevalence and we don't need to get into the math, but uh, when you talk about prevalence, you're really just looking at how many people of this group, mm -hmm. right? How many people of this group actually get injured? So let's say that you have a, a group of 50 people um, and 10 people report, report an injury, right? Um, or let's just say 25, make them kind of make it easy. So 50 people, 25 report some level of injury. That means that the prevalence rate of that, it's 50%. Mm -hmm. That's the people who reported an injury in this sample. Okay. An injury rate gives you a time. Got it. So an injury rate, think of, um, you know, one of the things we talk about, it's like power is, it has a time component, mm -hmm. right? Um, so the same thing with the injury rate, you have to have right. a time component associated it. with it. So an injury rate is three injuries per 1000 hours of participation. 
So if you have people who, you know, if you have 50% prevalence, that's the number of total injuries reported in the, in the sample, but they could have been injured, you know, within a year or in their entire life participating. Yeah, so, like if, so put, like to put it in context, like it, let's use basketball because that was my background. If you were to yeah. survey and like get an, a prevalence rate on basketball players and injury, it'd probably be north of 95 to 100%. Injury. Sure. And right. And, and, and incidents, right? So incidents or prevalence, depending on kind of what the question, I think what's yep. important here is what is the question being asked? Because yeah. that's going to provide the measurement. If you just say, Oh, well, 50%, well, 50% of what, what was asked? Was it in the last year, in the last three months? Is it overall, mm-hmm. you know, when do you report an injury? Um, so, so how the question is posed, it's going to be important. Um, and then obviously that's going to dictate what it is that you're recording, whether it's prevalence and what you're always going to see is prevalence, 30%. Every time you see a percent, um, you want to be suspect, right? Cause that, that means basically you're just asking a broad question and mm-hmm. you're asking people, how, how often do you get injured? How many people got injured? Mm-hmm. But that really doesn't get the comparison of, you know, how many people, how many injuries do you experience? during this that's when you really need to get to that incidence rate number mm-hmm. and that incident rate always gives you that 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 time component in this case because the numbers are so small usually every thousand hours yeah which means that that's the comparison right so if you if you get injured and you work out three days a week mm-hmm. and i work out seven days a week multiple sessions a week we're going to have a different um chance mm-hmm. of getting injured right because i'm more exposed yep. than you are so that's when we have to bring it down so so if i say oh i get injured and you say oh i got injured too or maybe you said you didn't that still gives us 50 percent, right if it's just you yep. and i but the reality is that i worked out 10 times more than you might have over that week period or that month or whatever so that's why we have to bring it down to to that injury rate component of the hours so if we assume and one of the assumptions that we made in that paper is that everybody in general um work out in one hour time periods yeah, right i mean you know some people in work CrossFit, out in, in crossfit yeah right so, you know, in general, right? We're not talking about, we're not talking about elite level athletes. Some of those yeah, guys yeah. work out, you know, three, four hours. But in general, most people, um, out of yeah, the standard class in an affiliate for the 99.999% of us is 60 minutes. 60 minutes, right? And, and you know, you, you, you could be doing different things, but you're still exposed. Yep. So, so we assumed the, 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 the one hour time period. Um, so then we could look at, you know, so in that regard, um, some of our studies, the one study that we looked at, we were, we were looking at a, a high and a low range. Um, and the idea for that is to, to really look at what people are doing. You know, most of the studies out there uh, look at how many days um, do you work out? Well, I could work out one day a week and have four sessions. Got it. Right four different workouts yeah, yeah, yeah i don't have anything to do i came in the morning i came in the afternoon i came in later you know and then i worked out at nighttime those are four times for which i could be exposed to an injury that's different than if i just work out once a day so one of the things that we ended up doing because um at the time we we kind of again that hack study had looked at some of that stuff and, and we wanted to do something different is we looked at injuries based on participation how many sessions 
do you engage in? Not days a week, but how many workout sessions do you engage a day? Sorry. So whether it's three okay, days, you know, three sessions, three. So the way that if you look at some of those, those tables in that actual manuscript, you have like less than three sessions, three to five sessions and more than five sessions. Um, whether it's a week or a day, I, I think it's, okay. we set it up as a week to really look at, um, you know, the exposure of the session, mm-hmm. not just a day, knowing that there was going to be people who would do multiple sessions a day. So, um, so we kind of have this range and this range, what we assume, we made the assumption here. And, and again, another assumption, limitation of the study, but you know, we have to make some of these assumptions in order to, to kind of get to something. Again, we didn't yeah. have a lot. Um, so we kind of have to go with, made some general assumptions. So we ended yep. up saying, okay, in order to have a denominator, in order to have a number that we could divide by, um, we assume the, the, the worst case scenario is that everybody works out every single day. Okay. Right? So 52 weeks out of the year, 365 days. If you work out every single day, you never take a day off. We wanted to know what that injury rate would be. Okay. And then we say, okay, well, let's just say that somebody takes two weeks off. And again, we're making some assumptions here to kind of just get some numbers, yep. right? So, so we, we compare the high and the low based on 52 weeks of participation and only 50, 50 weeks of participation. Okay. And then the assumption was if, if our numbers are really, really high for those people who exercise every single day, then, you know, we, we have a number, a max number. Yep. And if it wasn't, you know, the people who, you know, the, the 50 range or whatever, then we could always say, well, you know, there may very well be more mm-hmm. injuries if you exercise, if you worked out longer, mm-hmm. more. So that's kind of the, the rationale for that study. We've been criticized because, you know, again, um, we made those assumptions. Um, but, but I mean, what's you know, the alternative? And, the, and that's I, like, like you said, you kind of have to, like, there's, there's, I'm not aware of any way to like, to do an absolute controlled study with this, where like, I, I keep you inside of a box and we train like in a lab and you never leave there and you never, right. you know, so, um, but I think, but I'm glad you brought up the limitations of the study. Cause it's one of the questions that, that I had for you. Um, but I, I don't find those to be unreasonable as long as you, I, I think where people get a little bit out of shape is where, you know, you kind of read the abstract or the conclusion of the study and then you dig into the numbers and you're like, those two don't match. Like what you sure. concluded here, like, and I'm not saying you did that, but that's where people get a little, yeah. uh, can get a little, uh, a little grumpy. Um, but the, I mean, it looks like what you found. I mean, it's like the injury rates here are relatively low. And again, like, I think context matters here. It's like when we're talking about training, like it's, it's not only relatively low, it's really low. Like yeah. three, you know, like, three in a thousand hours. I mean, if you were to take that over, that's a thousand hours. We can just call that three years, essentially. Like if you trained every single day, like Mm -hmm. there's going to be three injuries there. So if you bump that out to like a normal person who probably trains three, we'll call it five times as a heavy week for most people. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about well over five years, right? You know, and for you to sustain, you know, three injuries in five years, well, I mean, that could be high, it could be low, but my, my other question I had for you is like, did, were, did you guys have any sort of definition or what were the parameters for injury? Yeah, um, if you, um, I, can't, I can't remember Barbatum, but there is a definition in there and, and the definition was, you know, because we wanted to, 
not include, you know, if, if you, you know, you know how it is in the gym, right? People, you, you get a, a rib a blister or you kind of tweak a bone or you kind of tweak a muscle or you kind of do something, you kind of like whip yourself and that leaves a mark. So there's, there's, there's really no um, concise definition of what yeah. an injury is in the literature, right? So uh, in 2015, I think it was like early 15 or late 14, somewhere around there, um, Giordano and Wissenthal um, had a really good paper uh, looking at injuries as well. And, and they made this definition of, you know, any injury that costs you to stop exercising, any injury that actually costs you to stop crossfitting or any injury that costs you to go see a medical professional and stopped you from exercising. Okay. Uh, so, so that was kind of our, our base of what we were looking at because we didn't want to include, um, you know, a blister or, you know, whatever else that could happen yeah. in the box that is sort of like, day to day, if you will, Um, you know, because that stuff happens and and people don't really pay attention to it. They just kind of move along and, and, and move on. Right. And never really, nothing else comes out of it. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, uh, a strained calf muscle because you were doing like high volume double unders and it's like, is that CrossFit is dangerous or is that just kind of something that happens if we're jumping a lot, you know, regardless of sport, you know? So yeah, I think that stuff, um, gets overlooked and like people get hurt and I'm like, well, what's the degree of the injury? Like, and, and is that unreasonable based on volume of training, you know, like, and then this is, I mean, I don't know if you guys took this into account, but like, you know, somebody who has a training age of zero coming in to start doing training, you know, like they're probably in most scenarios, like more susceptible to injury because they have no training background. Um, you know, they have probably horrible kinesthetic awareness like don't know where their body is in space they don't know how to manage an external object like all of these things um so like all those things all of those things matter and it's like any and anybody who spent any amount of time on the floor like coaching knows this you're like listen this is i need to manage this because the this person is just kind of a hot mess and uh the how the rate of the the um opportunity for the injury for them to injure themselves is is pretty high if i don't intervene here Right. So. And, and, and you hit it right. In, I mean, based on our data, you, you literally, I don't know, I don't know if you've read the study before or not, but based on the data, that's exactly what we found. Um, the people who, um, you know, worked out less than three sessions a week um, on a regular basis, regardless of age, were more likely to get injured than your typical three to five sessions a week. And again, you know, the typical, pe- the, pe- the mm-hmm. typical individual is going to do three or five days a week. Yeah. Right? So we call it three to five sessions, but that's what we measured. Um, and then those who were more than five sessions, uh, regardless, again, of age and, uh, you know, whether male or female, those people got injured less. Mm-hmm. So the more experience, the more exposure, the less likely you are to be injured. And, and it makes total sense. I mean, it makes, yeah, it makes all the sense. Like if you're reading it, you're like, well, if they're more exposed, they should have more injury. And you're like, no, 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 that's not how this works. Like the more exposed, like the better adaptation I have, like the better movement patterns I'm going to have all of these things. And again, this goes back to just like practical knowledge of training as an athlete myself and as a coach and as a coach I know that like the ones I'm worried about are the people that never train like they're they're the ones who pull a hamstring just touching their toes right you know Um, right so yeah that stuff I mean it happens right and it's one of those things where like it, it just is what it is like you can you really have to kind of like put kid gloves on sometimes and say listen and I'll be on like 
I tell people all the time when they come in, if they come in and they're have largely been sedentary, I will tell them straight up. I will say, listen, you are very likely to get a pulled muscle, a strain mm-hmm. of some sort, because you do nothing. So going right. from nothing to doing anything, the 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 prevalent or the the opportunity for you to injure yourself in some and it's very likely gonna be minor, is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Like you know how to use your muscles, like you have no motor patterns that res- would resemble anything that looks safe, you know, any of that stuff. So I tell them, I'm like, we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to mitigate that. But don't be shocked if like you feel a little tight in your back or your hamstring or your shoulders start to get a little bit sore. It's because you are not using your body. So right. don't and, be shocked. Yeah. And, and that doesn't really constitute an injury, right? I mean, if, if you're, if exactly. the way that I, that I see it, you know, if I could treat, I mean, I, heck, I was, I've been out for almost 18 months because I had an injury playing soccer, you know? Right. So, so it's like, you know, if, if, if I have an injury and to your example, you know, you, you kind of tweak your calf, but you could still come to the gym and mm-hmm. do something else or whether it's CrossFit or something else and you go to wherever else you want to go. Um, that does, to me, that doesn't constitute an injury because it doesn't stop you from doing the activity that you really want to do. Now, if you're laid out and you can't move because you pull your back or whatever, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think, I think some, and I, again, and, and to your point, you know, unaware, uh, untrained. Yeah. You're going to be more likely to feel things that you've never felt before because you're moving. Right. Um, but I, I don't know that that constitutes this sort of blanket statement of, you know, it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if we were to just to just, you know, forget science and just kind of like pick our heads up out of the, the, the numbers and stuff and just kind of look around, if CrossFit was dangerous, affiliates wouldn't be open. Right. Like if, sure. if 50% of the people that came into my facility were getting injured, like, let's just all agree. That's bad for business. That's Something good, yeah. wrong is going on in there. Right. Right. So right. It's just right. like the, what, what's actually happening versus what's being reported in some instances. I'm like, that's just impossible. Like that right. is that's incredibly high. Like, what do you like, are people working out with their eyes closed? Like what's going on? Right. There was actually, there's just a pub, a study that just published either today or yesterday. Um, and you know, the hypothesis from the get go, they state the hypothesis is that CrossFit is more dangerous than resistance training. I'm like, well, first of all, you coming in with a biased opinion walking in because your hypothesis is that yeah. it's more dangerous. And I can't remember exactly. I haven't read the entire thing, but um, you know, you can't just make a blanket statement based on what your bias might be. You got to look at the data and, and, and you have to understand where the data comes from, what those numbers are. And, and again, prevalence doesn't give you that answer. You could say 50%, 30%. I don't really care. That doesn't mean anything to me. You got to be able to give this in a comparison metric. So yeah. you put everyone in the same role. And then, um, so what is resistant? Like, how is that defined or characterized resistance training? Yeah. So, um, and that particular study, uh, and again, I haven't read the whole thing, but I, I believe they were doing weightlifting, just regular traditional resistance training. Okay. So then, then I always have a question. I'm like, is CrossFit not resistance training? I mean, again, that's, you know, it's, it, it, you can, you could choose them. You could pick and choose the battle or, or yeah. the terminology you want, you know? And, and again, if, if, if the hypothesis is already biased, and again, I, I haven't looked at the study, but it seems to me that from the get-go, um, you're coming into to a, a study thinking that that's, you know, make the hypothesis that there's no difference. Yeah. 
Well, the other, the other thing that I think it, uh, that conversation lacks is, and we talk about this in the technique lecture at the level one course, which is, you know, there's, there's kind of three metrics by which I would evaluate any program, regardless of what it is. So it's safety, efficacy, and efficiency. And I think the efficiency and efficacy gets left out at the expense of safety. And the argument, you know, we present is anything that's 100% safe is likely 100% ineffective. Okay, if you're never getting injured, we're probably not doing anything that would even remotely resemble some sort of stimulus that would would result in an adaptation. So it's like, okay, well, so then, okay, it's 100% safe, but it's not getting me anywhere, Right. you know? Um, so I think people leave that out and it's just like, okay, if we're, if we're getting massive, uh, results on this program and it, and it, even if it did, which it doesn't, and it did have a little bit higher injury rate. I'm like, I mean, it's kind of worth it for, for people to like get fitter, you know, that would yeah, be an I mean, argument, but that even yeah, though that's not the case, that would be justifiable at that point. Right. I mean, I think again, you know, the, the most dangerous sport is it's, you know, sedentary behavior, right? The that's yeah. being on the couch, sitting on your couch is the most dangerous thing you could do for, for your health. So I think ultimately, um, you, you know, you take a chance and, and you go out and do something. And, and, you know, when you compare the, the outcome measures, when you compare what you're gaining for the chance, and again, I'm not justifying getting injured because absolutely not. It's about progressive. No, you don't want to do that. Right. It's progressive, it's progressive overload, individualized programming, you know, in some shape or form, mm-hmm. you know, scaling to your athlete, whatever that may be. Um, you know, you got to be able to have that stimulus. Otherwise, um, you're kind of spinning your wheels and, and, and people are not going to, you know, they're not going to stick around for that. You know, as an affiliate owner, I could, I could see how, you know, people want results. Yeah. People want to people be able to, you know, say, you know what, I'm spending $200 a month, but it's worth it. Yeah. Or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, and of course that, that grants different discussion altogether is, you know, access, right? How mm-hmm. many people have access to, to this type of work and we can talk about economics and all that sort of thing. But ultimately, um, you know, again, you don't have to go to an affiliate to do it. Mm-hmm. You can do it at home. The original model is, was that right? So it's still free on CrossFit.com. Right. Exactly. So. Um, so I think that there's definitely, um, there's definitely a lot there and, you know, we're trying to move into that direction from a, a standpoint of, um, you know, access and, and sort of trying to, you know, because we do know that people who don't have that access, you know, um, in some way, marginalized po- populations or underrepresented mm-hmm. populations and that sort of thing, they're more likely to have diabetes and heart disease. And, and be sedentary so, and not do anything. Exactly. So, but even CrossFit's providing some, you know, not CrossFit, CrossFit. I mean, obviously what they have on there is free. So that is, you know, like that eliminates one excuse right there. You know, sure. I do have to have access to equipment, but you know, there are other programs out there that are really low barrier um, yeah. with, re- with regard to finances that work around all of that. You know, like we right. had um, Julian and uh, Miranda on and they have street parking. I mean, they got 17,000 clients and like, that's a very low barrier, mm-hmm. you know, entry point into that where they're going to work around all of those Just things. Whatever, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that, I think that's starting to seep its way through and right. the excuse of like, Hey, a, a membership is expensive is starting to go away because there are right. other options that are very financially viable um, sure. for people. So um, was there anything in there that you found when you guys did the study that was surprising to you, like either good or bad? I, th- I thought it was the, the surprising piece to me was uh, primarily the um, in that particular study is I didn't expect 
the numbers um, in regards to those, you know, less than three sessions to be as high as, as, you know, I didn't expect to, you know, if you look at the, the numbers, there's this sort of dose response, if you will, curve that you could see uh, almost with every single age group, uh, regardless of the number of sessions that you see, you see the people that are uh, less than three days per week or three sessions per week compared to the three to five and more than five. Like regardless of what you were looking at, males, females, um, you know, age groups or whatever, the relationship was all the same. That's that was fascinating to me. That was fascinating to me. It's either, it was fascinating that the numbers came out that way. And we actually, we're running it. We're, we're actually finishing a second, uh, a part two for that particular study. Okay. Um, and we were really looking at the people who compete. Um, so competitors, right? So okay. the idea of, um, you know, well, if you compete, you're more likely to be injured. Um, unless we're absolutely looking at the data completely wrong in both studies, mm -hmm. the numbers almost look identical, um, which is fascinating. So the people who are competing at the, you know, and we really just look at CrossFit sanctioned events. So mm -hmm. open um, regionals because the data is old enough for the regionals and then the open and obviously the numbers dwindle right from from the open to the game yeah are you guys going to be able to capture sanctionals now that those are no oh, okay it's just too yeah yeah so we got we got that up to 2017 and got because it. of okay. all the changes like we can't really compare right so yeah. we would have to do it again yep uh, which which definitely will do it in the, in the future um, but the idea is to really look at, you know, competitors. So the people who actually compete, um, how likely are they to, to get injured? Um, and, and one of the questions in there, we all also ask, and, and, and I, I can't give you the answer that I can't give you the, yeah. the, you know, the, yep. the, 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 good. Part of the, the good stuff. Right. Yeah. But we did ask one of the questions that we did ask is, you know, we asked about affiliate training. Okay. Know, were they training at an affiliate or not? Um, and those are going to be some interesting, um, I'd be super interested interesting in those. Finding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that I got to give you a teaser. I got to give you a teaser. So you have me back, right? <laughs> yeah, this is like the, this is like the season teaser. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, no, but that's interesting. So, so essentially what it sounds like you found was like, there was almost like not a hard line, but there's a, a distinct Very kind distinct. of line in the sand for people who are either less or more than three days of training a week. Yes. That's I really think, interesting. Uh, the the number the magic number is three like if if you really want to avoid any kind of injury if you really want to you know and and potentially gain benefits right you gotta that's the other that's the other place i was going to go with this is like right, right, right. I, I i tell people i'm um that the minimum effective dose is three like yeah. i mean like like you're, you're not going to see really a ton if you're coming less than three times a week it's just right. not going to happen Right. Well, and, and, and now you can say that you're more susceptible to injury too. I'm going to use that. I'm stealing it. <laughs> going in with sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, and, and, and it's pretty there, you know, it's one of the things actually, um, I think if you go to, I think, I think Nathan actually posted this on Instagram. He's much more active on Instagram. He sent it to me the other day, but I haven't had a chance to, to like dive into it, but he did send it to me actually yesterday. Yeah, because we were we actually met at a he actually came to Kennesaw a couple of months ago and we were we were doing some stuff and we ended up doing this graphic of what those injury rates looked at and you could see the image and he actually posted on Instagram. Um and you could see those numbers, man, just kind of just this dose response of you know, three is way up here and then five is way down here. And you could see that relationship throughout 
And that was fascinating to me. I didn't expect that to be so clear. Yeah. I was hoping that was the case, but I didn't expect it to be so clear throughout. I mean, it makes sense if you think about it, just from 30,000, somebody who's training that frequently probably has a lot of other lifestyle factors that come sure. into play there. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They're probably doing maintenance on their body. Their nutrition probably is in check. They probably look at their track, their sleep and their nutrition, all yeah. that stuff. So, um, but it's, it's kind of counterintuitive going back to just exposure. You would think mm -hmm. the more exposure that you would have higher incident of injury, but it's very interesting right. um, that that's not the case. Um, even though I already know that because I, I live in an affiliate basically. Yeah. Know? But on, on the converse is in, in what you mentioned originally, right? When, and the converse of that is those people who are doing five, six, seven, eight workouts a week or whatever it is, they're much more aware of their bodies. Mm -hmm. Not only that, they're much more aware about what they're able to do. Right. That's um, a good point. And, and, and their abilities in what they're able to do. Right. If, and, and if you have somebody who like, for example, you know, we talked about my first time, right. Yep. I did Randy. Right? There's no way that I should have ever done 75 pounds to start with. Right. But you wouldn't know that, but I wouldn't know that. Right. So if I don't come on a regular basis in this, you know, we will call this three days a week and you really learn the movement patterns and you really learn what's it about and this and that and the other, you're going to carry on this sort of, you know, athletic mentality that you could walk into a soccer field, myself, my, mm -hmm. myself, you know, my perfect example, and I could play ball. Mm -hmm. I could play for 45 minutes. I'm going to hate it the next day. And I could very <laughs> more likely get injured, you know, just like yourself, you could probably yeah. go into a, a, you know, a ballpark and play ball for an hour. Yep. But if you haven't done it in so long, you're going to be, you I did it back in 2009 and I was playing and uh, like pulled a calf like right away. Well, right away. Even though yeah. I had been training regularly, it's just, it's a different, right? Like it's different like stop, start. That's, you know, that's the, the mechanics there are different and there's some different, right. there's, there's outside variables of kind of unknown entities, like all that stuff. But um, yeah, it, that's super, super interesting. So, so when do you guys anticipate that study kind of being published? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pushing hard to get it out before the end of the year. Um, I have some oh, okay. collaborators that, um, that are kind of looking at that stuff. I've got to finalize some numbers. That's kind of like my to-do list for this week. Got it. Um, and I'm hoping to get it out on the, you know, the end of the year. And, um, and we, we're hoping to make a big splash uh, with it because, um, you know, I think, I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be interesting that we are able to capture um, that, those two, those two questions, the competitor piece. Yeah. As well, the affiliate piece. Uh, That's awesome. That and if obviously, you know, when that come, that hits the that hits the street, you know, send it because we'll push it out and and be happy to share that because uh, cool. you know, I'm obviously interested. Um, what's uh, what's up next for you? Like, what do you got? Any, what anything cool coming up as far as like this whole this whole journey? Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's 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 really interesting. I'm working with um, I'm we're, we're working with a lot of people right now. We're um, you know, we're we're trying to dive into this psychological piece okay um, you know, the same way that uh mike g kind of just turned me into this whole thing i had a student who um who was doing a double major in uh in exercise science and psychology and and she kind of started asking questions and this and that on the other and and we kind of dove into this whole thing head first and she was awesome and she's currently doing a phd in neuroscience way smarter than i am 10 times uh, smarter than me so. <laughs> and and she's amazing right and she kind of just dug, dug me into this whole thing of you know, personality traits and, and looking at um, why CrossFitters are who they are and why they're, they do what That's they do. That's fascinating. It is fascinating. I mean, you got to read some of that work. Um, and it's, and it's, it's really interesting how, 
you know, most people, most, not all, but most are Taipei personalities driven, uh, you know, goal oriented, competitive mm-hmm. nature. Um, and, and it's interesting. It's, it's fascinating how, how that works out. And, you know, but there are also other motivational factors, right? And the older you get, mm-hmm. that motivation changes. It's just like everything else. Yeah, no, I mean, I could just speak for myself that that's the case. Yeah, absolutely, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, even old. I'm, I'm, I'm just turned 39, but like my training, my approach to training has changed dramatically. Right, absolutely. And, and it's fascinating to be able to see that and document that in the, in the literature and, and be able to redo and really dig in. And I wish in some levels, you know, um, we will be able to push some of this stuff to affiliate owners because that behavior piece, mm-hmm. that's what gets people to to really understand those, those people. That's why, that's why you understand, you don't understand, you know, why people are not coming in. Why are they not showing up? You know, you still have a membership, but they're not coming. Well, why, you know, what are the motivational factors that are bringing these people in? And I think what's even more important that we haven't been able to, to study yet, but I, I have a pseudo design that I want to do is why people don't come back. Why people stop. Yeah. I mean, I have my own, theory on that yeah, and, yeah yeah absolutely but uh it's 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 very it's very general in nature but it's it's um but yeah i have my own thoughts on it as well but uh, if we but if we study motivational factors the same way that we study motivational factors of the people that stay mm-hmm. you know what would be different yeah is i would love exercise to is it the exercise is it the community i don't is think it's the exercise density? that's my i don't think it's the exercise that's i i actually think exercise has zero to do with it I'm sure. I, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. hundred. I don't disagree at all, but, but we don't know, you know, we've never, been able, to, yeah, yeah. We've never been able to, to answer that question. And, and it'll be fascinating to be able to reach out uh, and, you know, any affiliate out there that has, and it's willing to, you know, as well as yourself, with your affiliate, um, that would be, you know, willing to help with this particular project. I think it would be fascinating because really it's just a matter of contacting those people and say, Hey, here's a question. Here's a questionnaire. I don't know, 10, 15 questions, whatever it is. Yep. And just finding out what motivated you away from CrossFit. Not what motivates you to do CrossFit, but what motivates you away from. Well, I'm happy to participate. And any of the affiliates that we work with are more than happy. And we will just bribe them and say that we'll stop producing podcasts if they don't. Well, I can't do that. I can't study. do that. Well, we, I can though. You can't. I okay, can do yeah, that. I'm not participating. Do I'm, I don't have anything to do with the study. So we'll just, we will not produce podcasts until everybody brings the surveys back. Um, okay, there you go. No, um, <laughs> uh, well, man, listen, this has been awesome. So we're definitely going to have you back on. I'd love to have you. So we'll probably try to schedule something like the beginning of next year, which is literally a couple weeks away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like once that study hits the street and I'd love to have you back on to discuss that because that, um, you know, I think the stuff that you've already, I think this, the study that you did, like I, I, it, I, I'm super pumped that it's out there because it's out there and it's on the street and we can point mm-hmm. to it but I don't think anybody that's in the trenches, it's, I don't think it's anything that we didn't already know. Right, 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 right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, it's funny, the, the, um, you know, I was at, I was at the DDC last weekend and, you know, one of the conversations I had, it was like, Oh, you know, we'll have you come in and, you know, maybe, maybe at some point, you know, potentially present or whatever. And I, and, and I, in my think in my head, I'm like, I don't know what, I mean, I, I could present the data, but this yeah. would be a fascinating group to present to because what I'm presenting to them, I don't have to convince them. Well, that's what Nate said when he talked at the summit. He was like, man, he was like, this is awesome. You know, and like, yeah. 
but everybody's like agrees with me, but, but right. it's still, but it's still cool because we appreciate it because we understand that academics in the space is not the norm. We're just like, man, we're just so pumped that people are actually that that are not just anti CrossFit just because for whatever reason, we wouldn't even know you just like decided you didn't like it and that's it. So right, 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 um, right. no, I, I, I mean, if you get that opportunity, I, I think you should take it. Like I would love to sit in on it. I'll, I'll send in a request to, to show up to that. So yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fascinating. Again, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of other much more, you know, smarter people than I am, and that that go there. I mean, I was there this weekend, and I was like, wow, how did you even come up with, you know, all of that? And it was fascinating. Um, but again, you know, the the opportunity to be able to contribute, and and you know, my question started at the affiliate. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you guys are the you guys are the excuse me, you guys are the trenches, but you guys are the ones that, and you guys have questions that. I probably don't have any thought about because, you know, I'm just not there every day. You know, it's yeah. one of the reasons why I, I try to, I try to go in and try not to talk to anybody when I go work out because I don't, any question or anything that you suggest, I'm probably going to start thinking about it. And there's going to be something in the back of my mind that I go, Oh, well, maybe we could study this way or maybe, yeah. we could do this. maybe we could do that study. So it's, it's extremely, um, dangerous yeah. for me to have conversations at a yeah. out of box and I'm i mean sure. I, I, i've been injured for about 18 months now but nonetheless um it's interesting that you know you you sort of think about that space and and you know you guys in in the trenches are 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 sort of the you know driving this whole thing so you know any questions that you guys whether it's you or any of the other coaches or anybody else listening that you know that we could come up with and collaborate on and i'm open to that i think okay. the, ultimately you know, there's, we, we've published a couple of articles that are sort of reviews mm-hmm. of the literature and, and you're talking about 130, 140, 50, 150 articles total related to CrossFit training. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. You know, if yeah. you search PubMed, you know, um, Google scholars and you put like VO2 max or lactate, you're talking about thousands. Yeah. I've thousands had to, I've had to sift through some of that stuff cause I'm, I'm doing my master's right now, but it's like, Oh, it's just so much stuff. It's just, yeah. it's, I think there's yeah, something yeah, yeah. like 400, 400 publications a day, like hit, mm-hmm. like hit the journals. Like it's something just okay. obnoxious. Um, it's just, it's too much for any, any one person to try to keep up with. Um, yeah, so, but on that note, like we're happy to help in any way, brother. And I, and I mean that sincerely, if there's something that you guys want us to kind of push out, like, and we can start, you know, helping like maybe, uh, crowdsource some of those questions to potentially use them, like, just let us know. And, and we would love to participate. So, um, awesome. that's great. Thank you. We'll, but we'll definitely have you back on. Um, we've been at this for almost like an hour and a half, I think. So, yeah. um, Good fun, but, um, but I know you're busy and you got stuff to do. Um, thank you so much for your time, dude. Anything else? Is there any, um, kind of uh like social media or website or anything you want to point people to uh i'm on twitter i usually do twitter it's just kind of easier for me to manage uh okay. dr fado uh that's okay. f-e-i-t-o uh, okay. but yeah, yeah. You can reach out there um you know and uh or email me whatever uh, I'm, I'm happy to to talk this stuff with uh, anybody and um you know send ideas and and you cool. know really anybody who's willing to collaborate i'm in um, awesome. i think that's important i think you guys are doing a great job uh, as affiliates um, and coaches, you know, kind of just sending the message and, and encouraging people to be active. Um, you know, and, and we in the scientific community, I appreciate it um, because you guys kind of bring a lot of that. Um, you know, I've never I've never studied a group of people that are more willing to come into a lab and just allow us to do whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating. 
it, and you're, you laugh, but it's really that's hard. A, well, that I don't, I, but that's a psychological study all on its own. Just like people who are just like, whatever, you can poke me, prod me. Like I'll do thrusters for an hour. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, we have students who are doing like regular projects with non crossfitters and they struggle to, to get people in the lab. And as soon as I have a CrossFit, you know, study out there and I put it on social media, my inbox just like floods. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't have time. You know, so it's fascinating. So, you know, that's continue great. to do that. That's awesome. And that helps everybody and, and ultimately just uh, helps the community. So, awesome. um, yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. And anytime that I can, you know, whatever questions, anything like that, yeah. I know that um, I'm, I'm just one of, uh, of a few and I'm happy to contribute. Awesome. Uh, if you guys awesome. have any questions for Yuri about any of this stuff, obviously just drop it in the DM. We'll pass it along. And uh, yeah, we'll get this next one on the books. And uh, what we might do, Yuri, is we might, uh, what we could do is we could potentially do kind of a part Q&A. So maybe we get some Q&A prior to, and we can kind of talk about the study and then maybe do some Q&A from the audience, which I think would be cool. So yeah, that'll be really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, awesome, brother. Man. Appreciate your time. Thanks, bud. Take care. Yep. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Just a reminder, Fern and I have an amazing new show called Dropping In, premiering on our YouTube channel in early 2020. Be sure to head over to the Best Hour of Their Day YouTube channel now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. You've probably heard us talking about it, summarizing some of our trip. You can see some highlights up on our Instagram as well, at best hour of their day. But I promise you, you're not going to want to miss out. So subscribe now. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for letting us be a part of your lives. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Best Hour of Their Day.